Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madrin. And this is the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. And our guest today is Darnell. And so a little background on this. Don't be afraid of LinkedIn, people, because that is how Darnell and I connected. I'm not really sure who who contacted who to begin with. I'm like, I'm going to have to do the scroll. But we connected on LinkedIn and started talking about empathy. And I was like, yes, you have to come on the show and talk about empathy with us. <laughs> so Darnell, please introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, so my name is Darnell Brown. I have founder of Bulletproof Hustle, co-founder of Latelier, which is a skincare brand that I share with my wife. And these days I help aspiring entrepreneurs and leaders of today and experts. I help them save time and impact lives through a combination of clarity, strategy, and empathy. And then go- going to how we had met, it was actually me who, who reached out first. What? Yeah, and you, you were like, this is a cool, me- this was a cool intro and stuff and different kind of from what you had, what you had gotten. See, you got me. That's you me. got me with the, uh, that's how my husband got me too, is on Match.com. <laughs> Everybody just sends these like stock, boring ass emails, intros, and his was creative. And I was like, oh, good job. You're not boring. I'll right. talk to you. How long were you guys on Match before you met? Before we met in person? No, like before you connected. Like how long were you each on? Oh, I was in my last, because I was back in the day when Match gave you buy six months, get six months free. And I was right on the yeah. end of my six months. <laughs> and I was like, I ain't renewing this shit. And so he came in right at the end. How long have you been on it? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't ask. Scott was in his three-day trial. <laughs> Damn him. I had been on. He didn't even been, have to pay anything. I had been on for like, I don't know, six months a year or whatever. And he was in his fucking three-day trial. Yeah. And I was at the point at that point, like I had gone through all, all the profiles in Syracuse. I'd be like, no, no, no. And his was new. So I was like, hey, how you doing? That's so funny. <laughs> Darnell, how did That's you and your happened. wife meet? The story, our story is actually congruent. She found me on MySpace, actually, when she MySpace just... was what Facebook is today. <laughs> so I was on there messing around with music and stuff. You like trying to get on that way. And um, she had sent me, she had sent me a friend request. I think. And I had accepted it and then sent a message out like, oh, what's this about and stuff? Because she was uh, based in Canada at that point. That was where everything started for us. That's awesome. So that was back That was back in like 2005. Yep. yep. Because we, yes, because I was on MySpace at that time because that's when I moved up here. And Matt and I met in 06 and his MySpace page, there was some chick and some inappropriate shit we were dating. And I was like, that's not that she keeps sliding in on the <laughs> MySpace. I'm so glad that there was like there was no social media. Scott and I met in 2003, so lucky. there was like I joined MySpace. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, "I don't, yeah. I don't know." Somebody said I should be on it. I don't know. Y'all, I this is all popping back in my head. I'm sorry. I had the Chris Brown VMA video up there when he was in the box and he was the puppet. That was my MySpace. This is one of those moments where you notice that there's only three years, but damn, there's three years. Because I'm like, what is she talking about? I don't. Darnell, please tell me you remember the Chris Brown VMA performance with he's in the box and he's the puppet. And then they're jumping on tables and the two little kids come out and they're dancing and breaking. It was so fly. Zero. Hey, I think so. I think so. Because I, I've seen quite a bit of his performances, and his performances are really good. If it was, if I don't remember was, the yeah. kids, but I remember. I think I remember the puppet part. If it was between but 2005 and 2007. Yeah. I would not have even paid attention. 
ever. Oh my God, so funny. I'm sorry. So share with us your journey about how you got into this work. I would say it's been, it, felt, it feels like a very organic evolution. My, my history starts back when, like drawing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back when I was five years old, when the first live action movie came out. So the 1991 film with- <laughs> I saw that in the movie too. Splinter and all of them. Because I was not five years old. Me too. But did y'all see that movie before? Yes, in yeah, the theater. In the movie theater. So I was, my pops had brought it home on, on VHS and I remember sitting in front of the TV and I just started like, that was, that was my earliest memories of me sitting down drawing. I don't know why. And those turtles and them being ninjas and all that stuff all the way through where I am today. But the through line has been, has been creativity and design and artistry and all of those things. So from drawing cartoon characters to drawing comic books and then drawing portraits of people through grade school and getting paid for it and stuff out of nowhere. And then going to college for graphic design and then getting a job in as a graphic designer at a promotional products firm. And then when I couldn't go any further at that job, I had ended up going out on my own as a freelancer. So people were hitting me up to do like logos, websites, brochures, flyers. This was in 2008. And then I got a taste of doing that. Then I was like, well, I want to, I want to start doing like merch and. He's my I, merch we, guy. I, I was like, like, I was waiting for that to sink in. He's my merch guy. We were just literally our first guest. You're, we're on like three or four today. I can't remember. Our first guest was like, yeah, my merch line. And I was she's like, a, she's a big TikToker. Yeah. Got, yeah. And, and so, so she came out with merch. She's and regular. she said, Sarah, you just need a graphic designer for your t-shirt <laughs> line. And I was like, oh, I need a graphic designer. Okay. And then the universe provided you today. But does he still design <laughs> stuff for merch or does he do yeah, that's, different that's, now? See, I don't design. <laughs> he does the two. Come on, I, Darnell. Oh, Help me out. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> but I'm keeping those. I do those run a marketing collection. I might have one or two for you. <laughs> you said, I'm out of that game now. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I put in a lot of time doing that and stuff, and you face the burnout still, and just juggling a bunch of different clients, all different types of projects, and then realizing that there's this whole other world out there that now that now there's branding. So then I got into brand strategy, which involved visuals, but now it was like cohesive visuals and boards yeah. and brand identity guidelines and things. Then I took that further and was like, and this goes into what some of you, what you and I were talking about, Sarah, through LinkedIn about this whole empathy approach and psychology as well in getting to know who your consumer is and your audience and stuff. And then I realized that this isn't all about design and stuff. Like design is, a, is such a small part of this. And I really believe that. And that's from somebody who loves designing and stuff all of the time. And just like you were talking about with merch. I could, I feel like I could always go back and just go back into freelance and just do logos and stuff. I always got a fallback career in that way, but it's such a small world and stuff. And it's such a small reason that prompts someone to, uh, to become loyal to a brand or to even buy from a brand. I'm like, people are getting obsessed over very small things when they first starting out with the business. Like, I got to get my logo out or I got to get this landing page and I'm thinking about my colors. And I'm like, you haven't even went through the process of even knowing what problem that you solved. Oh, Once preach. that started to click for me, and that was probably like two or three years ago. And that was like, oh, okay, really I'm in the business of like growth strategy for the most part. I'm really in that business. And I'm in the business of, of helping people, what do they say? The shortest distance between two points mm -hmm. is a straight line. Yep. 
So to create the straightest line possible between what a person's goal is, whether that is to get new clients, get sales, become a better person in life or something, whatever that is to create the straightest line for them to that path. So to take my design prowess and look at it in more of a metaphorical way and, and three-dimensional. So like going into the mind and stuff a little bit to say, instead of websites and colors and things, maybe to get this person to go to this thing, they think that they have this issue, but first we gotta like unlock what these layers and stuff are and get them to go through a clarity process really to see what are they even driven by. So it's still design, Jenny and Sarah. It's still very much design, but it's just like, it's a totally different context and stuff now. I'm still playing with colors and fonts, but in just a different realm of trying to like connect with people and help them. First, they have to trust me. So that's one part of the goal. And then it's like looking at whatever their goal is and saying, you, you got this direction and stuff to go. And there are a gazillion other distractions. How do we create the most efficient route to there? And sometimes that's a long game. Sometimes that's being sustainable, but getting the person to shift their paradigm and shift their thinking in that way. That's what I do. Does that make sense? Totally. Yep. And that's why I was like, preach and preach on. Yes. <laughs> and he's, I'm like, and he's speaking our language. Exactly. So like, exactly. Yeah. How does, for you, one, how do you define empathy? I know we had that conversation online, but how do you define empathy? And then how does that integrate into your business? So the answer is now the, when you told me, Sarah, what you define empathy as, I, I like really started, I really came attached to that. I really was like, I felt just like we were talking. I felt like empathy is this very broad topic. You're the one who asked me that question first. And I'm just like, that's a very, cause you was like, I'm interested in seeing how people define empathy. So my response at that time, and it still would be the same response is, is like define empathy as the ability to walk in someone's shoes without walking in someone's shoes. And you said that it was along the lines of being able to tap into a similar experience, even if you have never had that experience, find what that, that connection is. And then that's where you start to get understanding between two, two parties. I've like, I've really attached that into kind of my methodology and thinking of what empathy is, because I feel like it's a very well-rounded kind of comprehensive, like you said, like it's, a, it's a broad term, but it means different things, to different people. I feel like if I can learn from people such as you and Jenny, I can just add on to it. I can yep. add on to what it ends up becoming, but I think it's both of those things yep. really. Yeah. Being able to see where a person is coming from, but being curious enough to even care in the first place. And I don't yep. know if curiosity is something that a person is born with, or is something that can be learned, but, cl totally. but clearly you have to be interested in things. Like you need to be interested in and have wonder and imagine things. And I think when you got all of those traits, that opens up the door to say, oh, okay, you know what? My, and only my opinion, my perspective isn't the only one that matters. There's this whole other world out here. And if you want to connect with people, if you're in the business of doing anything, like you really need to understand where people are coming from. Yep. And I would say lastly to that end is that the scariest part or the hardest thing to do is to try to develop empathy for people that you don't agree with or have the same perspectives with just right off the bat. If you have a conversation with somebody that you have a preconceived notion about, right? Or you judging books by covers, like which we all do. So you, you could be like, man, I think that this person is already closed minded. So I can't even open the door for this conversation, this conversation to even happen. And again, you're dealing with people that ain't curious sometimes. And I think that's like a blockage for empathy. Cause I know sure. as far as I'm concerned, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to convince people beyond them being curious to even open up the door for a conversation. For sure. 
And I love that you brought up two things. One that you brought up, the curiosity is where it starts. And curiosity is a skill, right? As okay. kids, we are naturally curious. And then that's kind of, we're taught and we're shaped to stop being curious. Just do what I say. If you're raised by a parent who's like, nope, just do what I say because I'm the parent. That's stamping out the curiosity. Our School system stamps out a lot of times curiosity of, no, just learn this. Don't ask questions. I was telling Jenny about my son raised his hand in class to share something, and the teacher was like, no, put your hand down, put your hand down. I was like, oh, that's like stamping out the curiosity. And so I feel like it's a skill we're naturally born with that then gets taken and stripped away from us slowly and slowly. And so then we have to either, one, be in an environment that fosters it, and keeps it safe and keeps continuing to instill it. Or two, if we're not in that environment, we reach a point where we're like, hey, I want to reclaim my curiosity and I want to rebuild that skill back into me. And when I, I mean, it's so interesting because the concept in our conversation that we had about empathy is something I have all the time. And I, it, it like literally, it makes my heart so happy and gives me so much hope that you were like, hey, that conversation widen my view of what empathy is and I'm already utilizing it, incorporating it because that means ripple effects. Everybody thinks that it empathy is, hey, walking in another person's shoes when you're not in their shoes. And the bridge between that is what we talked about is mm -hmm. it's tapping into the emotion that underpins an experience. I can never walk in your shoes. As a white woman, I can never walk mm. in your shoes as an African-American yep. man. No. Yep. You can be an ally. Can, totally. But can I tap into an experience of fear or being treated less than? Right. Can I tap into that emotion? Yes, I can tap into that emotion in order to make that bridge between your experience and my experience is that underpin emotion that we can both well, tap in. But I think that is walking a mile in somebody else's shoes because what I think what gets lost in that kind of the clean, I think what gets lost is people think it has to be the exacting. Correct. So like yeah. walking a mile in someone else's shoes is not exactly having the same experience. It is what you described, right? It is that having the, can I relate in some way? shape or form or can I understand that you are in, that you had this experience and you had it independent of me understanding what that feels like like mm. I don't have they, the bridge is you had that experience that elicited this emotion okay because emotion is a universal experience feelings are neither good mm. nor bad they just are so the emotional <laughs> experience becomes that connective tissue right yeah. That's the relatable piece of it, right? Like it doesn't, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that on the deeper level, yes, but I think to help people understand more, right, doesn't have to be exactly. Correct. One of the key components of empathy is joining. Yeah. Mm. Sympathy is I'm here, you're there. Oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry you're going through that. Oh, I'm empathy. imagining the Brene Brown cartoon in my head right exactly. now. Exactly. That's why I'm using yeah, it. I yeah. Know. Empathy. <laughs> empathy is we're That's joining. We're in this together. Yeah. Like. We, it, I don't have to know exactly what you're going through. I don't have to be in your shoes. I don't have to yep. be in your body. But I'm here with you mm -hmm. and we're in this together. And I think there's also a, a, a very clear way that you can show empathy, even if you have no idea what the fuck to say. Yes. And that's just to say, how can I support you? Yeah. Like, you literally don't have to say anything. You don't have to say, I'm sorry that's happening. You don't have to say, like, how can I support you? Because then... Right, not even that, because that puts the... And I don't mean to, I'm sorry, because you know that this is my jam. I know it's I your jam, it. but what, if you don't know what to say, is so, that better than saying something shitty? I know, but then that still puts it on them. It's actually technically an empathy miss. Sorry. 
So there's six empathy misses. And that would technically be one of the empathy misses, right? Of, and it would just be, I'm here with you. Because that's putting it on them. What can I do? How can I support you? Then they have to think and say, here's what the support I need. Blah, blah. And they're, they, that takes them out of them. And then is there to help and support you and teach you. Whereas you just say, hey, I'm here with you. That's, damn, that was hard. I'm here with you. Yeah. I'm like, anyone's to Interesting. claw my face. I don't know, but I just, I'm like, I, I'm just telling you the research. I know what the, no, I know what the research says. <laughs> I do. And I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I understand how it's put it, but it's also from the perspective of knowing that people don't know how to ask for help and feel unsupported <laughs> and feel isolated. It is a bridge to that, at least conversation for asking for specifics of how it could be like, hey, can you watch something's happening? Like, is, would you be able to watch my kids one night? Sure. Let me just tell me, be specific and, and right. tell me how I can support you. That's how I meant it. I didn't mean right. for the dive deep into the empathy mm. misses. That wasn't my intention. I was more, it was much more like <laughs> lower echelon than like the. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just here to say, y'all, if you're yeah. in that situation, that stand, yeah stand aside stand beside yeah and say i'm here with you damn that was hard i'm here with you yep and then it opens the door for them to say what they need what they think what they feel whatever mm -hmm. yeah yep so darnell given that how do you then incorporate that into your work going back to that that curiosity so i'm i've just naturally always been a curious person so i'm always asking questions seeing what i can learn trying to approach almost every situation every conversation with humility and not with hubris to say that everybody that I meet knows something that I don't, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what their age is. So they have something to teach me. And so if I can probe a little bit, then it's like I'm always working in a sense, or even when it's on personal time, I'm just learning from people and, and seeing what their stories and stuff are and seeing, well, which of these stories am I like passionate about? Which of these issues am I passionate about? Or what can I do about solving it? And so that's how I personally approach it. It's like you were saying, is, is that it's something that you're born with, that you have inherently in you. And I think Picasso would say the same thing about creativity. Like everything you said about curiosity would also apply to creativity. The exact same stuff. You were, you were creative as a child. People stop telling you to put the blocks down and go do, go do all of these things. And so in adult life, we get less and less creative less and less experimental. So being able to tap back into that and remember who you were and that wondrous side of you is really key to it. I think that the last thing I would say is that empathy, surprisingly, just listening to you all's conversation, it feels like even though it may come a little bit more naturally to us, that empathy is an incredibly like courageous thing to Acts of to, everyday to courage. Confront, to confront. Mm. Like it's, yes. and some people don't even want to face that within themselves, like to, to just, and so that, that lets me know that a person that probably is not practicing empathy after you have been enlightened on what it is and how it could apply to you and help your life, both personally and professionally. If you still cho choose not to be empathetic, then yeah, you have something going wrong in the inside. And it probably means you're afraid to face things within yourself and stuff that could be and so that's why I mean about the bravery side. And it was just like I was on, I was on another pod yesterday talking about, talking about facing yourself, man. And I think that's all part of this empathy process, this ability to say, I'm going, I'm going to face myself, my demons. I'm going to look at this person in the mirror, look at who I am when no one else is looking at me. 
cut away all of the bullshit, all of the public masks and stuff that we wear and look at yourself at the end of each day. Say, did you screw somebody over? Did you take the cut and stuff in life? Did you do it all for the money or for fame or for what people say about you for validation? Cut all of that and you strip everything away. You really have to understand your own story and practice probably that empathy with yourself and being your own best friend. But at the same time, you got to you got to strip away everything first and just get down to those basics about who you really are. Yep. And I just think that the people that, that lack empathy, again, though, those that have been enlightened on what it is, but still lack it, they're the worst of us probably. Like they're doing worse than us. Even if they look like they're successful and stuff on the outside, these people hate themselves. I'm not going to get on that track. I'm always going to be a person that is willing to be as self-aware as I can possibly be because it's one of the bravest things that you can do to be like extremely real with yourself and to know yourself. But we're not doing that, I feel like, in this society. Like we're not even sitting still and just meditating for a minute to just be with our own breath and stuff for 60 seconds. It's hard to do that without thinking about other things, just 60 yep. seconds alone. Forget working up to 10 minutes. <laughs> it is. It's true. And honestly, it's extremely difficult. And let me ask you like, that. I, I just can't. Do, like, I don't even set myself up for that failure because but you have, I call it practice. But you have self-awareness. That's why I call it practice, so, yeah. I do. yeah. Let me yeah. ask you this because you're exactly right. They, we are the minority when it yeah. comes to that. Yeah. Like the self-awareness. Correct. To be self-awareness, aware and do something with it. Personal development, courage building, all that journey is the minority. And so <laughs> what for you, what was the catalyst that sparked that journey for you and that gate either inspired that journey or that allowed you to take that journey because it, that journey is the minority. So when you ask that, when you ask that, Sarah, which journey, like what, what specific journey you mean where I am today or just like keeping, what do you mean? Just the a little bit more awareness, The self-awareness uh, and personal yeah. development journey. Yeah. Okay. Co- copy that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like that's, that's something that's came in later years. I've always had the creativity and the curiosity all my life. I have, I have, fortunately been around supportive people that that always kind of egged me on and said that I can can you know do whatever you put your mind to all of the things that us kids and stuff should hear when it comes to the personal development side and self-awareness it was I think just through surprisingly like other people's stories actually like seeing other people tap into their bravery that came from worse situations than me that have found ways to twist that on its head and prosper and they're sharing their works for us to consume either in book form in like a book that costs like less than a cup of coffee or something. And I get this whole person's life story or in their readings that you can find on a blog, which is like usually free or something somewhere. So there's so much, there's so much free game and stories and stuff out there. And I just, that curious nature of saying, okay, the people around me, they're cool, but I'm, I'm one of the only like entrepreneurs and stuff in my circle. So they can't be the only people and stuff that I hang around in order to keep going where I need to go, like business wise. So I really just started to tap into books. Like once the iPad and stuff came out, I was like, man, there's this whole new world, really. I really do like the stories from women. I really like the female authors' works that I have been tapping into because I'm like, privilege wise, yeah, there's some differences and stuff there in terms of like me just as a man and then like things that a, a female didn't have to go to. Or if you're a black female, like, that's like double like marginalized right so when women authors from all different types of backgrounds but also other authors that are dead now as well too like they're all my mentors and stuff and i just learned from their stories really and it said they they were able to tap into their bravery they faced themselves 
And I really need to do that too. I felt like I was already at a zenith, but there was this whole thing that I really didn't front about myself, which is like what's driving me. Some Sometimes I was coming from a place of lack versus abundance. And I feel like you do need hunger to succeed at anything. Like hunger is probably the greatest trait that you can have in terms of achieving something. But when you are hungry for something, that does mean that, that you lack something. Even if you have a hunger for more of what you already have, you want more success, you're lacking the amount of success that you feel like is right. where you need to go. Yep. So I feel like that pushes you, but you need abundance to sustain you. You got to come from a place of, okay, I'm fruitful. Like there, there's more, there's so much more where this came from. And that was when I really started going into that. I said, well, I'm going to start journaling because I hear about people doing that. So I've been doing that for like the last 10 years and stuff as well so therapeutic. Like I'm always trying to be as self-aware as I can. I'm always trying to check myself, be my own therapist, worst critic, but also best friend. And every time I go through a journaling process, when I'm writing, and usually it's in digital format, like by the end of what I'm writing, I've reached catharsis. I may not ever read that article again. I may just trash it, but it's the process of doing it where you can really sit with yourself and be like, man, what, when you peel back all of those layers, I feel like there's so many things that start with me in terms of things that I can control. So if I'm upset about something, what's really going on underneath the surface? Oh man, I can't pay my bills or something right now. That's what it really means. And then that means I feel like I'm a failure. I feel like I should be further in life. But yeah. no, like, there are, like I did incredible things. Like I got to remember those things and stuff as yeah. well and be grateful for stuff. Again, yeah. coming from that place of abundance of saying, man, you're like crazy blessed. We'll be extremely grateful for the people that paved the way, like the giant shoulders whom you stand on and all of the works and stuff that exists. And the fact that you can just pretty much learn anything that you want to and stuff, that everything is just a finger tap away. It's no right. better time and stuff to do that. What I hear you Sorry. saying is that essentially your catalyst for you was that hunger for knowledge. And that unmet uh -huh. need of, I want to know more, I want to do more, I want to know better, I want to do better, I want to be better. And it sounds like that was the catalyst for you, is that one, the innate trait of curiosity, and then that unmet need of knowledge of more. And then That's exactly you, right. For you, it looked like, and I love what you say, because it's so important. And I think we, we minimize it when take away its power of, the circles and the environments that we choose to put ourselves in of like, hey, I am noticing that in my, you said, I'm noticing in my field of friends, I'm the only entrepreneur. I can still value these field of friends and still be connected with them and also go, oh, I need to put myself in circles of fellow entrepreneurs and expand that circle. And so it's finding those people for it to learn from and to watch and observe and gain that knowledge from. And it's this small, it feels so simple of, oh, just hang out with the people that you want to be like. Like, that's so lame. It's such an intentional part of it. And even right now, I'm like, okay, I need, I'm trying to find my next circle of like, where is this circle? I had that talk with Tracy at lunch of like, where is the next circle of people to be in where we're on, we're at the same, not the same plane. Like, it's more where it's more even playing field, but people are above me. If you're always the smartest person yeah. in the room, yeah, 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 it's surrounding fun. yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Start, the the five people you surround yourself with, that whole thing of making and, sure you're. But we minimize it, and it's so huge. That was one of the biggest things that you said. Of oh, I'm always screwed because nothing. I'm mostly around my kids. Right. We need. There's only so much people. that I can. Yeah, you need, and I feel like my my. Maybe five, that's why I'm weird. 
my, my five person circle is always rotating because it's, it's as relative as time itself is. You might learn something dope from Socrates and it completely applies to what I'm going through. Like it, it doesn't even matter and stuff. Like, so I'm just like the principles. In fact, some of the principles and stuff from like people that existed well, like way earlier than us, like definitely apply today. Like we're always trying to, especially now in this age of distraction, like trying to get back to those basics and essentials of just being oh, present okay. with one damn thing that you're focused on for that one hour and yeah. to not multitask and to put the phone and stuff in the different room. I mean, you can be present in your body and be comfortable with that and not have social anxiety because you're missing that dopamine to say, oh, I could check my phone. Like you end up reaching for it. You got like ghost anxiety and stuff with it. Yeah. It's hard, man. This stuff is serious. Like it's, it's, it's so an addiction. Yes, it is. And it's so true of being present with yourself. And a friend of a mutual friend of ours, Wolin Port, he told me that he was like, how often are you alone with yourself? And mm. I was like, if I'm in the car, the kids, I'm like, that was when I was all full time and Matt was working at an office. And so I was like, I don't know when I'm in the, I don't, I'm never by myself. I was like, the kids are always there. I'm that's what Sam and I, yeah, that's what Sam and I were just talking about. Cause she's, we're going, Aaron and I are going away. And I'm like, I just want. No one there. No one there. Yes. <laughs> but that's the thing. But she has it's, a new baby and it's like, yay, hubby and I are going away. Yep. And I'm like. But it's being intentional yeah. and being yeah. present with yourself first so that then you can be fully present with the people that you choose, whether it's those five people, whether it's your partner, whatever. Yes. Because people with kids, like y'all, y'all have even more reason and stuff to, to like say that, okay, I can't pour from an empty cup anyway. Let me go ahead and take care of myself first thing before for 30 minutes in a day before the other 27 and a half hours go to everybody else in my life. Like you, yeah. you cheating yourself. I can't, yeah. You still spending so little time in your own head and in your own thought. And I always recommend people don't even think like one minute out. Just start with one intentional breath. Start with inhaling and exhaling one time and see and just not think of anything else. So that's just 10 seconds. And you gradually work your way up to a minute. But I always start with one, one deep breath. Then you work your way up to three. Yep. But yeah, if you try to sit there and do a five minute meditation, like your mind, you got, you're going to have monkey brain big time. Uh, like my man just said, it's called a practice and stuff for a reason. So you never feel like you got it, but it forces you to confront yourself and to face yourself in a completely different way because now you win your own thoughts and think and sitting there, man, what are the recurring thoughts that I'm thinking about? And it's usually either the future or the past. Yep. We're always worried about the future, regretting the past, rarely happy with the present moment and that equanimity state. That, that we just love to be in. And so I'm like, if I could just take a daily sabbatical, so a one minute sabbatical per day, where it's just nothing else but me being present and present. Thoughts, that's its own love reward. It, yeah. And it's so much clarity. Yeah. I love it. For me, it's when I'm in my car. Um, and I started where... driving with no music, no sound. Like that was what Woolen taught me. He was like, just be quiet in your car. Like, that's interesting yes well, but you I mean, can't drive no driving though because even you, you're still doing something no, you're still no, no, no. the whole other level there now i'm not ready for that yeah, level yet. <laughs> hey hey there this is sarah madras of sarah madras coaching the mission of sarah madras coaching is to build brave leaders who create courageous cultures at smc our team is committed to equipping leaders businesses organizations and teams with the mindset and courage skills to have really complicated conversations that you need to have but have been avoiding ready to work with us at sarah madras coaching then you can check out our free facebook group at brave leaders dare to lead 
you can hire us to come in and facilitate trainings and workshops within your organization, or you can do one-on-one coaching and leadership development with me over here at sarahmadras.com. Most business leaders won't get it, but I know you will if you learn to trust your team. Trust is money. I dare you to leave. I do want to be clear because there, for me, like I know the way that I'm wired, meditation in its traditional sense does not work for me. Yep. I cannot make my brain do that. I can't, I have, however, trained my brain how to do active disassociation. Yeah. So it's, I can still think and I can still be doing something. And at the same time, like that's the meditative state for me because like my brain doesn't ever turn off. It's like a guided meditation. Well, yeah, I can do my guided meditations because yes. there's something for me to listen to. Correct. But yeah. I've also trained myself how to actually like dissociate so that like in the moment I disconnect. Yep. And that's the meditation for me because my brain just works differently. And so I think that it's important and relevant to say finding the way that works for you. I mean, for maybe sure. maybe the deep breathing is followed by like the vibration reset, right? Where you're totally. doing the, the exhale with the noise. Yep. So you're doing the ahaha on the exhale. Yep. So that you can do your vibration reset. So like all of those things, like it's about trying through the things and don't feel like a failure when something doesn't work for you. Because there's so many things out there. Because there's something else you can try. Yeah. And maybe like journaling yeah. doesn't work for you in the I traditional sense. fucking hate journaling. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us how you really feel. It's too much like reading. <laughs> it's too much like reading. <laughs> She'd rather mm. take a nap. And I would uh, rather go for a walk in right. nature. There you go. So I think that there's, there's a relevance to say, like, and like you're saying, like, just absorbing the information so that you can figure out and you're open to, because what you're describing really is like when you're saying, like, you're reading Socrates and you're something that's relatable to something in your life that's cognitive by it. That's a frequency illusion. Like, you're seeing things in your daily life right. that are relevant to something that you're working on, that you're thinking yeah. of. Like, the same reason why Just every like time. manifestation. But every time, like, you're buying a new car yes. and then you see that car everywhere. The right? frequency What you focus on device. expands. Exactly. Yep. And so I think it's you know, important for us to recognize, too, that that is a part of that awareness, that, that mm-hmm. building empathy as a muscle is relating to the world around you and understanding that things can change and that, and also that what works for somebody else might not work for you, but that doesn't mean that you're broken or that Correct. you're a failure. Totally. It can, yeah. And same thing with the empathy topic. I feel like that and meditation are both things that have that are open to interpretation that everyone does differently. Like journaling might mean taking a walk or something for someone. Like you said, it's not about it's not about what we even label it as because words have meaning and we invent them and stuff all the time anyway. But it's more about I feel like whatever it takes to get to that level of self-awareness. Some, yep. Like meditation could be a synonym for awareness sometimes. Some people call it prayer. Journaling could be just talking as y'all do on y'all podcasts. Like you might not yep. traditionally write, but talking to Jenny might be helpful or something. Like totally. you might go, that's what, not so today. it's just, it's She's just totally word. Today. It's totally, totally. <laughs> no, that is my process. It Journaling is, is not. No. Processing a, on the yeah. boxer? Yes. That is. She's a verbal community. No, and that's understanding yeah. where your zone is, right? Yep. That that I'm totally a verbal processor and I will talk to myself. Yep. And and that's yep. cool. And I love it. I love <laughs> like, it. Like Scott was saying, he's like, I love how she answered her own question that she was like walked in. I don't know yep. if you were in the bathroom. And and like I walked in, I said something, I answered my own question, walked in, and, and then just kept all going. The yes. Yes. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. It's just figuring out what works best for you. Yeah. And I love that it's, you know, what Darnell, you were saying is it starts with that willingness to have the self-awareness. You have to be open to the self-awareness. You can be aware and still choose to be a dick. It's a choice. Um, And you don't have to be that way. Yeah.
And it takes courage. It like takes, you said, yep. darn, like you, you were like nail on the head. It takes courage to step into that. To step into mm-hmm. self-awareness. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Right, Darnell, tell our <laughs> listeners how they can connect with you and find you. Yeah, so y'all can connect with me and find me at darnellbrown.com. Everything I'm up to, programs, course, sessions, writings, podcasting. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bulletproof Hustle. And so that's where you, yeah, that's where you can find me. Check me out. Hop on the newsletter. And, uh, and yeah, or I hope to share many insights. into his DMs on LinkedIn like he slide. did with me. You slide into DMs. Slide. Don't sneak in. Sorry. Excuse me. I'm not cool enough. Slide into his DMs on LinkedIn. I just like to make sure that you're up with the lingo. Hey, I like oh, Lord. DMs. And then people getting the wrong ideas because they like slide into his DMs and stuff. So it is just, oh, man. That, that's I not what, what I said. I was like, what, do, what term do we use then in professional terms? I don't even know. You just uh, send a message. Yeah. Or you can right, just go to You can send a message through my website. That's how you slide in my you DMs. You can connect my with website and slide that, in. The, the professional version is connect with me on. Okay. Yeah. okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I have now been educated and I will not make that mistake go forward. <laughs> or you can me. I like your definition too. We're going to sneak around. And your wife's going to be like, you were on what show? And they said for people oh, to do what? Just tell her I was ignorant. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, didn't These know. girls who do stuff are suggesting that people slide into your DMs. What kind of show is this? I'm sorry. <laughs> Kind of Sarah thing. said that with a straight face and didn't, she didn't hesitate about it. it I guess right. it sounded she good as you said it and stuff. You was like, it was sliding to his DMs and stuff. I was like, like, you're like, that totally sounds, yeah, that totally sounds a perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for any reasons, we love Sarah. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Darnell. We really appreciated having you yeah. on the show. Thank y'all both as well, too. Thank y'all both, Jenny, Sarah, and wishing y'all a good win ahead. Appreciate y'all's time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And watch. Thank awesome. You. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do, do you, boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 